Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. <clears throat> it's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. It is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat, and you can directly interact with us. I'm at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N, as you hear John Schmelk as well in the background. We'll get to him in a second. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. Well, we no longer have to tease what we're going to do off the top of the show. Since you I have heard, heard that before, <laughs> Lance. It is, yes. it is not the first time I've heard that. Just a tad, yes, that you have heard that intro. <laughs> as we bring in John, who is in Mobile, Alabama, at the Senior Bowl. So we've been getting regular reports from him from a daily basis, mm. and his practice reports are up on Giants.com. So anything we don't cover here in the conversation feel free to peruse that when you get a free moment on giants.com but let's start john with what i like to call the participation level at the senior bowl (laughs) and the level of activity and how it much it fluctuates from day to day so what is the latest at least at that front as you've been monitoring obviously all of these personnel groupings yeah i feel like the phone lines between agent and player were a buzzin' last night because I'm sure a bunch of agents talked to some GMs and some scouts and they were told that their players have shown enough and it's time to get the heck out of here uh, because there are a bunch <laughs> of guys that really had the uh, best first couple of days uh, did not participate today. Some guys just upright and are gone they're not even here um other guys were here they just didn't participate so i'll kind of run down the list and you won't be surprised these are a lot of the names that i've kind of talked to the last couple of days of guys that have stood out right. uh, so roman wilson from michigan um he's out of here he is not participating the rest of the week that includes the game um he's been the best wide receiver here basically uncoverable ricky pearsall who i actually was not that familiar with before i showed up here Almost 6'1", 193 pounds. He had a great first two days. He did not participate today. Uh, Leitu Latu, uh, the pass rusher from UCLA, he was down there. Um, and he was limping, so I think he has a legitimate injury. Um, mm. He did not participate today. Uh, but, he, look, he's fine. I, I talked to him yesterday um, around 4 o'clock, and, and he was he was fine. So this isn't anything long-term with him, obviously. Um, and you can go, by the way, check out all those Senior Bowl interviews on the Giants Huddle podcast. Um, I think that's up. Pearson could 
tell, tell the folks whether that's up. It is up. Not. We got the thumbs it up. up. It's confirmed. Yes. Yes. So go check that out. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson, the guard center from Oregon, who I think probably has been the best player here so far. Um, he's not participating today. Uh, Taliese, who I realized I was pronouncing his name cor- incorrectly. So it's Taliese Fuanga from Oregon State. Um, he's one of the guys interviewed on that Giants Little podcast as well. He was here. He just didn't really participate today. And then cornerback from Toledo, Quinion Mitchell, who's really, you know, you could argue he's been the best player here, but he's certainly been the best corner. Uh, it hasn't been close, to be honest with you, from Toledo. He's been great, and uh, he's here still, but he did not participate today. So those are the guys that are not working. I think I hit all of them. Um but, yeah, a, a lot of guys getting calls to their agents like, dude, you're good. Let's not get hurt. We're good. <laughs> you know why that stinks, John? Because I'm sure there are a lot of bubble guys who would love to have been there at Senior Bowl practice this yeah. week to give themselves a chance to be drafted. Maybe maybe not, you know, third round or fourth round. Maybe guys who would have been third-day guys even who might have helped themselves and they couldn't get in because the list of invitees got closed and now these these folks are heading out of town. I just think that stinks. And I and I wonder how many guys are going to leave after today and may not even stay for the game. Yeah, and and I'm sure Jim Nagy's not thrilled with it. And I'm sure look, and I'm sure some of these guys might have real injuries too. I don't have the injury report on these guys. I'm sure a lot of them are hurt. Um, you know, minor things here or there. Yes, um, but we did get two full days of practice out of these guys, which is better than what we got last year when Dewan Jones left after basically like six reps, the offensive <laughs> tackle out of Ohio State. So at least we got two full days out of everybody. Nobody stepped away after one day. So I think these guys did help themselves. I think scouts did get a lot of information. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure the guys that, you know, did not get the invite that wanted to come, they see that, they're a little disappointed. But the good news now is, guys, for the guys that are left at those positions where these guys departed. More snaps. There's going to be so many reps for them, not yeah. not just in practice today. In the game, yeah. I mean, you basically had the wide receivers left on this team, which is Jacob Cowling, Arizona, Luke McCaffrey, Rice, Brendan Rice, USC, Devontae Walker, North Carolina, and Malachi Corley, um, Western Kentucky. They they were basically in every other snap. So these guys were getting a ton of reps. So the guys that are left, they'll be the beneficiaries of being a chance to show these uh, talent evaluators what they can do. John, I'm very curious because I had not watched any of the uh, USC receivers. Brandon Rice, who was the son of Jerry Rice, is at the Senior Bowl. I haven't seen much of him in the TV highlights that I have watched, and I haven't read much about him. Have you had a chance to get an eye on him at all? It was funny. I was talking to somebody on the sideline today, and Luke McCaffrey and and, and uh, Brendan Rice were lined up next to each other. And I joked <laughs> to the guy I'm talking to, I'm like, "Hey, like, hey, my dad played with your dad." And as I say that, Jerry Rice walks three feet in front of the, <laughs> the goat. I swear to God, I was laughing. Yeah, the goat, exactly. Um, so I thought that was a very funny moment. Um, you know, Brendan Rice is interesting because he certainly looks the part. He's 6'2", he's 212 pounds, so he's got good size. He was a 100-meter sprinter in high school. So you would think he has speed, but you watch him and nothing really, like, jumps out at you. John, and, they you know, made that mistake about his dad, too. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Don't, don't I, forget I know, that. But his dad was also <laughs> extremely productive in college, yeah. right? Yeah, he was. And, uh, you know... It's not like Brendan Rice wasn't with a really good quarterback the last two years either in Caleb Williams at USC. And even, you know, I watched every snap Caleb Williams took this year. 
and not once that I say, oh, wow, that Brendan Rice, wow, he looks really impressive. So I think he's going to be, you know, a round five-ish type of pick, and then maybe, like his dad, he can uh, play above his draft grade a little bit. The other thing that just wanted to add when we were talking about the level of participation with the players yeah. is they are still down there to speak with team representatives too, even if yeah, they're not correct. necessarily participating. So even though they may be taking a spot away from another player, they're still at least getting the full experience and the most important aspect, yeah, Lance, if anything, is interacting with officials from NFL teams. And Lance, by the way, those guys I listed, that was just a national team. Uh, the American team has not started yet, <laughs> so my guess is this: it's going to be a, another. And, and when I find out who they are, I'll text you guys and I'll let you know so you can. More say it defections, on the show. John? Huh? More but defections? I, I got to imagine <laughs> that there's going to be some number of guys on the American roster that that are going to you know be gone after two days. But I don't know who they are yet. So when when I find that out, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll text Pearson and he, and and he can let, and he can put in the document. I so can't imagine know. any of the quarterbacks would skip out. Though. No. And I've never seen quarterbacks in the five or six years I've been down mm. here. I've never seen the quarterbacks leave early. So I would be shocked if that happened. Well, and I'm sure that's going to irritate Jim Nagy if that ever happens because he divvies them Ooh, up to break yes. down the game accordingly. So yeah. other positions you could get around, not necessarily the case with respect to the quarterbacks. And by the way, Lance, it's because I think for the quarterbacks, it's the game that's most important. Mm -hmm. Sure. For a lot of these other positions, it's the one-on-ones, defensive line, offensive line, wide receiver, defensive back. But for quarterbacks, linebackers, running backs, tight ends, the game's more important for those guys. So I think those are the guys more likely to kind of hang out and, and stick it out the rest of the week. Speaking of the one-on-ones, I want to bring up two offensive linemen just based on pure size who you happen to highlight in your practice <laughs> yeah. report. Number one is Jordan Morgan, 6'5", 312 pounds. I know there's questions about his hands, which always tends to come up in terms of the offensive line play. And then the other one is Patrick Paul, who's on yeah. the American team, 6'7", and then the wingspan clearly jumps off the page at 36 and a quarter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's start with Patrick Paul, and he is a large man. He's kind of built. He doesn't look 333 pounds. He's kind of built like an NBA small forward almost. He's very long and he's lanky. I see him as more of a developmental guy. Um, he's one of the guys I talked to on that John Soto podcast episode. And he kind of gives me some like Matt Parrott, Will Beatty vibes when you talk to him. He's kind of soft-spoken, really nice guy. Um, so he's an interesting player. Does he have he's a mean a streak to job. him, though? That's the million-dollar question. You know, there was one – it's a good question. There was one rep – yesterday when he finished off a play and he won and he kind of like got in the face of the defensive lineman like see see you didn't beat me so I did see a little bit of that in the rep stuff but talking to him he seemed like a, a really really nice kid um, as for Jordan Morgan you're right we have not talked about him yet Lance and he's another guy go check out the Giants on the podcast episode he was a little annoyed that they didn't give him the extra eighth inch on the arm length he only measured it at 32 and 7 eighths oh and, and that eighth of an inch <laughs> is usually kind of like it's the 33-inch threshold, right? Yeah. Your arm's long enough to play offensive tackle, and the threshold yeah. is usually that 33-inch mark. So I, he was a little annoyed they didn't give him the eighth of the inch. And there are some people here that think he might end up at guard when all is said and done. But talking to him, he didn't take any snaps at guard this week. He doesn't even want to put that in town evaluators' heads. He's like, I'm a tackle. I'm going to play tackle. Um, he's done a nice job. I mean, he's been physical out there. Uh, he has been beaten a couple times, but that's going to happen in one-on-ones. Um, but, yeah, look, I think he's a guy that could very easily be an end-of-the-first-round type of pick. All right, I want to ask you about one of the quarterbacks we didn't talk about yesterday, John. Yeah. Uh, that'd be Rattler, who, who I understand has uh, kind of helped himself a little bit, and, and he certainly is one of those guys on the lower end of the quarterback depth chart, but trying to move up. 
Yeah, maybe in terms of what his draft prospects might be, but in terms of raw talent, Paul, yeah, he might have more raw talent than any quarterback here. He could throw it. I mean, he's only six feet tall, but he's 220 pounds, and he's probably thrown two 15 to 20-yard outs this week that have been the best passes I've seen any quarterback throw, mm-hmm. where he just zips it on a line right on the money and out, and he was usually to Xavier Leggett, his teammate from South Carolina. Not surprising those guys have good chemistry <laughs> with each other, right? So we, no, it makes sense, and, yeah. and, and I'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, look, he has certainly shown the type of talent that made him a Heisman finalist, or a Heisman favorite, I should say, not finalist, um, before the season started in his last season at Oklahoma, um, if I recall that correctly. I think that was three seasons ago. But, yeah, look, I, he's got all the tools. The interviews, to Lance's point, are going to be huge for him. You know, maturity, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Can he sell these teams on Spencer Rattler, the guy? Because Spencer Rattler, the quarterback, has all the talent in the world. It's funny, I talked to a, a couple of the, the, the draft experts that we have on the shows. I talked to a couple NFL people, too, about quarterbacks here. And they all said the same thing to me. Do not take a lot out of these all-star games. See how the ball comes out of the quarterback's hands. See how they handle themselves. But these quarterbacks are throwing a, you know, 10 wide receivers they've never seen before, and they're learning a new offense. Yep. Someone yep. reminded me today, it's probably the first time a lot of these quarterbacks are just calling plays in a huddle, given how, you know, thing gets signaled in from the sideline in college, and everyone well, has, like, the little wristband, the yeah. little book on their waist where they just check the play. John, so they've never had speakers in the helmets either until now. Right, that, that, and a lot of them haven't taken snaps from under center. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all those things together, I think – not, be careful not to take too much out of these games, except, again, how the ball comes out when you meet with them in, the, in these meetings is important, and how they kind of handle themselves and their demeanor. I think those are the things that are really important. And then once you get to the game on Saturday, they've had a week with these guys. You're starting to learn the receivers more. How do they play in a game situation? But I thought Bo Nix today really did well. Um, they did red zone offense, mm-hmm. team in seven on seven today, and he had three consecutive touchdown passes. Yep. Uh, during that, and a couple, of, including a nice pass into the back of the end zone to Devontae Walker, who's had a nice couple of days. If he can just cut down on the drops a little bit. So, look, I, I, I don't think any quarterbacks have really helped themselves. I'm not sure any of them have really hurt themselves. Um, one thing I know is Sam Hartman from Notre Dame. You know, his his arm strength I think is is going to be a big problem for him. Mm-hmm. He has trouble pushing the ball downfield. Uh, Joe Milton. My God, if you could build a quarterback in the lab, 6'5", 235. <laughs> he has he a cannon. Run. No, yes. he's a cannon. He's a monster. Yeah. But, you know, can he be consistent enough throwing the football? So mm-hmm. these are all the things we're kind of keeping an eye on down here. But, look, it, it, it's been fun. I think these teams have been, you know, really fun to watch. Let me get one more with you, John, before Lance yeah. finishes up. I yeah. want to ask you about the offensive line. We talk all the time about guys who are interior linemen can play guard or can play center. Or maybe yeah. tackles that might be playing some guard snaps. Sure. Have you seen guys – who we could talk about here this week, who have been practicing at other offensive line positions as they try to show that to the NFL scouts. And Jim Nagy and the coaches here, Paul, it's a great question. They do a great job of making sure these offensive linemen play different spots to show these scouts that they can do it. So I'll throw a few guys at you. Uh, Most of the tackles, they're having them play both sides, right and left. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing to note. Uh, A couple other guys inside, Dominic Pooney, out of Kansas, he's played both guard spots and he's played center. I believe he was a guard only at Kansas, but he's taken some snaps at center today. I was watching down there on the field. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson, who, again, departed. He's not here, but he was dominant at both guard and center. Okay. He did a good job. Uh, Tanner Bordellini out of Wisconsin. 
He's played both guard and center over the course of this week. Isaiah Adams, he's played guard, center, and tackle. I think he's been at all five positions mm. at one point from Illinois. Six four three sixteen. He has some David Deal vibes to him a little <laughs> bit as a guy. Again, Illinois guy, guy that yep. can play a bunch of different positions. So that's the national team. Uh, Charles Turner the third from LSU. He's been guard and center. Christian Haynes, who I should mention him. He's a UConn kid. 6'2", 3'18". He's almost got 34-inch arms. I think he's taken maybe one tackle rep, but he's definitely taken a lot of reps at both guard and center. Mm -hmm. And for you know UConn, I'll consider that a smaller school, the way the college football yeah. is uh, kind of set up these days. I think he's had a really nice week at practice, and he's played both those spots. So those are the guys that jump out to me immediately in terms of guys that they're working at different positions. And I think you will have a nice round three, round four group that can be guard-center combos, Paul, that could be targets with the Giants here in this year's draft. So we had a Matt Parrott comparison and a UConn reference during the course of this conversation. And David Deal. And David Deal, true. Yes. Yes. Well, I was just thinking Matt Parrott's a former UConn Husky, yes. so I was just correct. trying to tie okay. a, a nice knot around that. Two guys that I want to bring up before we close up shop here is two yes. guys with injury history. Now, you brought up Latu. For people that are unaware, is he suffered that neck injury, which forced it's him two years. Correct, to briefly retire, yeah. and then he returned. And now you mentioned, I know it's unrelated, John, but he's now not going to take participation moving forward here in the next few days. And then Peyton Wilson, the North yeah. Carolina state linebacker, is another individual who also briefly retired and then returned to the fold. What you've seen out of those two guys and – how much of anything that may be a concern from what you're hearing? Yeah, Peyton Wilson has probably been one of the better linebackers here. He's big, he's physical, he's had a couple pass breakups as well. But yeah, the injury stuff for him is going to be big. He he didn't, I think he, until his, I don't think he played a full season at NC State until his last year um, when he finally managed to get through a full season. I did not have a chance to chat with him. Uh, the line to, to kind of get to him was a little bit too long. But, yeah, I think he's impressed, and if the medical stuff can get answered for him, I could see him being a day-two pick in this year's draft. And then you go over to, to Latu. I did have a chance to ask him about his injury history, and he said, yeah, you know, teams ask me about it. And I just wanted – I explained to them that, look – Playing football is that important to me. Because I even asked him, I go, why are you here? You know, he's going to be a top 15, <laughs> sure, top 20 yeah. pick. A lot of those guys don't show up to the senior bowl, right? And he goes, look, I just want – I love playing football. Like, I, I haven't played football in like a month and a half, and I'm not going to play football again until the, to the spring. I like playing football, and I want to show these scouts and GMs that I love the game. And, you know, these injuries are not going to keep me from playing. And he actually told me a really good story. I, had, I didn't know this. So after he medically retired, right, he went and played, like, intramural rugby <laughs> at his school. I, I don't know if that was Ooh. it. I think that was I think that when he was still in Washington. It might have been UCLA. I didn't, get, I didn't get that out of him. And he tells the story in the John Soto podcast. People should go check it out. And he was so good at it, he got, like, a professional contract offer oh, really? from somebody <laughs> at the professional rugby league. This is while he was medically retired, mind you. Wow. Now, he didn't end up doing it because he knew he wanted to go back and play football. But it just shows that even after a neck injury and a medical retirement, he was still playing, like, intramural rugby. So this guy is certainly wired away that I would not worry about injuries holding uh, him back at the pro level. He, he, he loves the game, and he's well-built. He looks the part of, of, of a pass rusher. And, 
you wanted to see him be dominant out here this week. And I thought the first day he started a little bit slow, but then second half of the first day and the second day, he was clearly the best edge rusher here. So I think Latu certainly checked the boxes he needed to check here in Mobile. With all due respect uh, to his IQ, uh, you might not do well on the Wonder League if the doctors tell you to medically retire and you go and play rugby. Well, I'm just saying. Hey, he held up. <laughs> and my guess would be, John, I would think it would have been in Washington because to Paul's point, 20 and 21, he did not play. He was still at Washington. Yeah, that must have and been Washington. He then. came yeah. to UCLA in 2022. So, in all likelihood, he fit in a rugby career in the mix of that. I just, to me, what's fascinating my, oh, is, my. and I know, listen, we talk about ACLs are different for players, but whenever you hear something about the neck yep. forcing you to not play football, then you come back. I don't know. There's always that concern. God forbid he's hitting yeah. the wrong spot moving forward, takes a bad yeah, angle. That's the only thing that I would say is maybe a bit of a red flag. If he well, played I mean, rugby, I mean, we know he can be the backup punter. Well, well, there I mean, you go. Yes. Look at uh, look he at and Gillen can share some war stories. Yeah. Lance, to your point, look at Lane Vanderash with the Cowboys. Sure. Right? He yeah. had the neck yep. coming out. He's had a couple injuries, and now this he might have to retire after he suffered. He kind of re-injured it last year with Dallas. So yeah, neck injuries are an issue. I'm sure all these teams will put him through a battery of tests, mm -hmm. um, either individually or obviously they do those tests at the combine as well. And those medical reports will be gone through uh, with a fine-tooth comb. The good news is that the last two years, I believe, he's played for UCLA. He's not missed any time. He's yeah. been completely healthy. So uh, that that checks a box. But, of course, for people looking for a first-round pick, you want a nice, long career. Uh, that's going to be something teams are probably is even more important than anything he's done on the field. Well, there you got it. The latest from the Senior Bowl, Mobile, Alabama, our very own John Schmoke. John, we look forward to speaking to you tomorrow and also getting the laundry list of every player on the American team that is not participating today. <laughs> I so, will get you the guys. Yes. Be good, John. Appreciate it, fellas. You got it. All right. John Schmoke with us here on Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. As I mentioned, the full practice report is up on Giants.com. We're going to get to a few other News and notes from around the league before we open up the phone lines. But first, a few reminders. The Giants Huddle Podcast, you can check that out on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head to Giants.com slash podcast. As far as looking ahead to the 2024 season is concerned, you can take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2024 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available, and the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, it brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. So the NFL head coaching carousel has come to a stop, Paul. Mm -hmm. Right before we came on, the eighth and final vacancy has been filled. Dan Quinn is staying in the division. He goes from being the Cowboys defensive coordinator to the commander's head coach. So eight vacancies all filled. Now it's just a matter of assistance moving on. That means two things, though. Number one, the NFC East across the board is going to have four new defensive coordinators because Dan Quinn was the one we were waiting on mm -hmm. that had a chance to stay. So that is going to be a big theme as we start to preview next season. The other thing that is connected to defensive assistance or offensive assistance moving Nothing official that the Giants have reported in terms of who they've interviewed, but multiple reports had indicated that Denard Wilson, Ravens secondary coach, had spoke with Brian Dable. Well, he took the defensive coordinator job with Tennessee, and he was a candidate to replace Mike McDonald, who yesterday was named the Seahawks head coach. So the Ravens probably are going to promote somebody else from within. Wilson learned that 
and he decided to take the Tennessee job. So the Giants still searching for a defensive coordinator, but so are several other teams within mm-hmm. the division because Vic Fangio is the only individual that we know has been solidified as the Eagles' DC. And we all know that uh, these all-star games are also kind of pseudo-conventions. Where everybody talks. For a lot of guys yep. who are maybe not affiliated with the team right now, but they'll go to these practices. They've got the authorization because they've got ins with the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl and other NFL people because they've been experienced in the league. So they've got the ability to mingle with the other folks. And basically, it's it's a convention of job hunters. It's a bunch of guys who are making sure that, hey, don't forget about me. I'm still here. I'm active. I'm still looking to work. And, uh, hey, can we talk? I mean, in all honesty, that's a lot of what goes on during these situations. It happens at the Combine, too, although guys do like to get their act squared away before the Combine. You don't really sure. want to wait that long. But uh, there's no question. And even, and even to be honest, at, at, even some at the Super Bowl, it's a, there's a lot of NFL personnel there. And, and there's still some people who are still looking to fill spots, and there'll just be a lot of folks trying to knock on doors and, and dialing up phones, seeing if they can connect. Um, it's it's going to be quite a scramble now. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that's why I highlighted that, Paul, because you went exactly where I wanted to take this conversation. There is a bit more urgency now, mm-hmm. I think, across the board, because once all the head coaches are in place, now you know they're all simultaneously looking to fill out their staff. The now, dominoes fall quickly. Correct. Now, granted, some head coaches have already filed out some of their positions, okay? But the majority are still seeking coordinators, and that impacts the Giants because even though they hired a special teamer, Brian Dable still needs to find a defensive coordinator. Remember, keep in mind, it's still possible Brian goes in-house. We've talked about the candidates. Mm -hmm. Jerome Henderson, Andre Patterson, who has experience as a defensive coordinator. It may not be somebody outside the organization. Clearly, he's doing his due diligence, but we've also seen individuals promoted from within. So don't overlook that while everybody's scrambling to find various assistants. And Joe Shane, the GM, just said the other day he was hoping to see something happen by the end of the week. So uh, it is Thursday. It is Thursday. We got one more day. What do Yogi say? It's getting late earlier out here? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, we'll see. All right, so that's the latest with respect to what's going on around the league as well as the NFL draft. Let's open up the phone lines as we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, and we'll check in with Jesse in New York who joins us here on Thursday's edition. What's happened to Jesse? What do you got for us? Hey, how's it going, Lance? This is Paul. How you guys doing? Hi, doing Long well. time listener. Uh, Appreciate appreciate what you guys do. Um, I don't always obviously agree with everyone, everything that you guys say, but you know, like like Lance said, that's fine. Dialogue, so, that's allowed. Uh, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. So uh, the Wilson hiring in Tennessee, um, you know, after hearing that he had a second interview, I was kind of like maybe we're onto something. He might be the guy for the job here, but now that he's going to Tennessee, all I see all over social media is how you know doom and gloom. You know, the Giants are kind of screwed and there you know something's wrong with Brian Dable and not, nobody's going to come want to work here so it's it's I'm curious like what your opinion is you know do you think that there is like merit to whatever what like we were hearing that you know Brian Dable's hard to work with or you know just something something along that, that one. Just well I, I mean with respect to Denard Wilson and I think I even tweeted about this a little bit number one I think and this is just my opinion 
I think he comes from a Baltimore organization that has a track record. And I actually, I tweeted out everybody that has been promoted under John Harbaugh. So I think even though Wilson, according to reports, of course, spoke with the Giants twice, and part of that was timing in terms of when the Ravens were eligible to allow their assistance Mm -hmm. because of buys and them having to navigate them still playing football versus other teams not, is that he probably was saying to himself, well, if Mike McDonald doesn't get hired until the very end of the cycle, I want to wait and see if Harbaugh is going to promote me to be the next defensive coordinator. I'm sure that probably was on Wilson's mind. And then once he finds out, okay, he's not going to be the guy, then he goes into exploring other options. Now, weighing Tennessee versus the Giants, I mean, we could sit here all day till we're blue in the face and say the pros and cons. It doesn't seem as if he has a connection to Brian Callahan, but he does have a connection to Rand Carthon, the general manager. And remember, Mm -hmm. relationships is a big part of things, Jesse. If you know somebody at a team and you have an established relationship, you feel a lot more comfortable going to that team because you have a pre-established connection there. So I wouldn't overlook those two factors that I just brought up. It may have nothing to do with the Giants whatsoever and a lot more to do with what's happening with those other teams. Yeah, I mean that that makes a lot of sense. I was, I was, I was, you know, I read again social media. You know, I, I don't listen, don't take everything that the beat writers say to heart because you know they're not inside the building. You know, they don't talk to Brian Dable directly. You know, things, you know, things of that nature. But I was just kind of curious because you know everyone is freaking out now on Twitter. And well, I mean they've also they've talked to, and once again, according to multiple reports, because the team doesn't make anything official about interviews, they've also, according to multiple reports, spoke with a lot of other candidates outside the building. So, I mean, we don't know what Brian Dable is going to decide, whether it's going to be internal or external, but just because Wilson's not going to be the guy doesn't mean that they may not bring in somebody who also previously interviewed. And if I may pipe in, there are some people who think I'm very hard to get along with, but Brian Dable and I get along great. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, take take that for what it's worth. I, I, I don't think there's any issue out there. I think that's a lot of uh, garbage that was thrown out into the atmosphere much like most of what you read on the web. Yeah, that, that's true. And I mean, a lot. Of, I know a lot of people, again, a lot of people criticize, a lot of people are, you know, are not happy with the way he conducts himself. Me, personally, I I don't have an issue. I don't care if he yells on the sideline. You know, I, I mean, watching the, that, that Two Bills documentary that they had, and I'm like, knowing how Bill Belichick and Parcells were, I'm like, I'm not, it doesn't really bother me that he gets, you know, he expects a certain level of excellence and if he has to yell at like yell on the sideline it is what it is you know i'm not like i never really got you know some people are just like oh my god how how can you work for somebody like that it's, I don't know, it's insane but um i did did read a couple of days ago they, i think they brought in uh brendan daly from the from the kansas city chiefs for an interview and i know he was a spags and a belichick guy so i think that was kind of interesting Well, and that's why I said, according to reports, there's been other candidates. So just because Wilson is not getting the job, I wouldn't read so much into it, Jesse, I guess at this point to say that there's a narrative that is supported based on that evidence. They could still very well bring in somebody from the outside. And what are people then going to turn to about how people perceive what's going on with the Giants building? I leave you with this item. Given that there were so many spots that were still to be decided over the course of the last several weeks, as we tried to explain, that meant there were a lot of dominoes on the table and guys who were waiting and waiting and waiting and trying to weigh their options and guys who probably 
had communication and phone calls saying, yeah, I'd be interested in that job, but I'm waiting on this job first. So don't take it to mean that just because a guy is going to be hired now in early February, that he was not necessarily a good choice. He might have been a guy, the guy they eventually hire may have been very high on their list, but may have wanted to delay his decision for some other reasons, whatever they may have been. Or for that matter, maybe there are some guys that the Giants asked for permission to talk to who now suddenly get permission. Remember, they there was reports that a number of guys that they wanted to speak with were denied by their current teams, sure. and the Giants were told, you cannot talk to them. Well, what if some of those teams now say, all right, now that the smoke is cleared, you can talk to this guy again. So don't, don't take the timing of the Giants' hire to equate to the guy's credentials or their desire to have him. I think that's a safe thing to say. Yeah, that's true. I know because again, a lot of again, like you said, Paul, don't read everything you read on the um, don't take everything you read on the web to heart. Because like I said, it's just crazy how now people are freaking out, and it's like, oh, now the Giants are left in a tough spot, and all of a sudden they're they're gonna make over like a, a last hitch for like decisions, like their last uh, choice for DC. Now you know we're kind of in a bad spot for next year, which I don't. Well, I don't but think but is the problem is, all, Jesse, but... you'll never know where these individuals rank. Regardless right. of what anybody know. writes, You'll right? I, I mean, if they promote somebody internally, you're not going to know. If they bring somebody externally, you're not going to know other than pure speculation. So I, I wouldn't lose much sleep in it because you're never going to get confirmation. Sure. Nobody's going to publicly come out. No coach and no organization. Yeah, we feel great about the hire. He was the fifth guy on our list. So here, <laughs> feast on the individual. They're, they're never going to make a statement like that. So I, I wouldn't get too caught up in that. True. Uh, last question. I'm going to take it off the air. Sure. Um, obviously, it's very hard to uh, to guess. Uh, obviously, it's never really going to. No one's ever going to really get it right. But in your opinion, obviously, it's hard to uh, to think about it without free agency being done because that's going to really affect what they're going to do in the draft. But what what do you think is the most pressing need? And if, if you if you were the one choosing, who would you? Uh, which which player would you would you take? And you're talking about you my, the my you're talking about the sixth overall pick though. I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And we'll let you go on that note, Jesse. Appreciate the phone call. You don't know who the first five guys are off the board, so how could you? Well, he asked about more position. If you were to prioritize, we, we know, can maybe look at it. From we that know standpoint. there are three positions the Giants have to prioritize: offensive line, pass rush, and receiver. We know that those are three positions they need to get better at. Well, and I'd also I mean, a quarterback depth chart, depending on what happens at free agency. Quarterback depth chart, but free agency may wind up providing the answer. It's possible, yeah. But right now, I think it remains something that needs to be addressed. And even it Drew does. Shane it does. admitted that himself. <clears throat> yeah. I'm not sold, though, that you have to take the quarterback at six. Well, as, no, I'm not saying that that has to be, but I think as it stands right now, it can be at least an option in the conversation. Yeah. I, I'd be, we haven't had free agency. I'd yet. be more surprised if the three positions I named. If they pick at six, I'd be surprised if one of those three positions don't wind up being the sixth pick because there are some very high-profile players. We know that there are three receivers up, yep. up in the top ten. We know there are at least two offensive linemen who are in the top ten. Uh, there's the potential for maybe, maybe possibly two pass rushers in the top ten. So 
in that regard, there should be some choices. There will there spots. will be and choices we know in those spots to choose potentially from depending on how things go early in the draft. So I mean, I think that fits the profile of all of the positions in terms of the biggest priority. And once again, it's hard to answer that when you don't know what the team does in free agency. No doubt, that's what makes it challenging because so many things come into play that influence that. But I point to. If you just weigh offense versus defense, and granted, there's going to be a new defensive coordinator. So when there's a new defensive coordinator, the dynamics change. But I keep coming back to what the offense averaged this season. Just over 15 points per game. Nearly a touchdown less, Paul, than the previous season when they were just over 21. you got to score points in this mm-hmm. league. And I know that sounds generic, but you have to. It's no coincidence the Niners had the third overall offense, scoring-wise, mm-hmm. in the NFL. And I know the Chiefs weren't top five material this year, but they had the number two scoring defense. So one way or another, you got to be <laughs> highly ranked. And they also happen to have a generational-type quarterback and a generational-type tight end. But the Giant, you can't hover around the 15 to 21-point barometer. And the only way to move up the ladder, and you know I've been on the record, you can't even expect that to happen within a season where you increase by a touchdown, but you need weapons, you need guys to stay healthy, but you need multiple options to chip in around the quarterback. So at six, if they're in position to bring in another playmaker, I think that's hard to pass up on because of the factors that I just mentioned. Hence why I also think trading down is a very, very viable option to try to get some more picks. Though you're going to, in all likelihood, need somebody that's enamored with a quarterback. And once again, as we discussed, Paul, if three guys are off the board by then, a team may say, we'll just wait to see if we can get the quarterback could be. we're picking. So that could, could complicate matters. Could be. Yeah. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Got Randy in California here with us on BBKO. What's happening, Randy? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? We're doing Hi. well. What's on your mind? Hey, I got a question. I mean, I've been listening to you guys for years. I've been listening to everybody on the internet, TV, talking about trade up, trade down. But when you got a team like we've had the last couple of years, we need we got a lot of holes. We're not one season away from turning this around. I think we're like two, maybe three, right? But we need to build this team. And I still think, like you just said a minute ago, trading down makes the most sense in the world if you can get a partner to do it with you. But you also need to weigh that against who you could potentially grab at number six. I'm with you, and I know Paul was just talking about this. It helps if you get multiple picks. There's no doubt about it. But remember, it's not the volume of picks, Randy. It's what you do with the picks. You you can get three additional picks. It's all about getting a bang for your buck. If you pass up on a huge game changer at number six just to get two or three additional picks, you have to weigh then what you're giving up with that potential game changer. That's a big part of the dialogue when you're evaluating when you're on the board. Now, one thing to keep in mind, and that is most people agree this draft is deepest in terms of top three rounds at wide receiver and at offensive line which just happened to be two of the three priorities for this Giants roster. So if you want to consider the math, if you can get more picks in the first three rounds, you're looking at the opportunity to add quantity at those two spots where you should have some really good value, at least by the end of day two. 
Well, and I agree with that mentality. I'm just saying, though, I think there could very well be a drop-off. For example, if Marvin Harrison Jr. is on the board, I'm just giving you a hypothetical. I know you're smirking already, right. okay? Just bear with me. Uh, yeah, we phone. are. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, you're smirking, man, from afar of the phone. I take him. Okay, you take him. Take right, him. right. Okay, so that's take my him. point. So my oh, point is, Randy, right. you're not going to pass up on Marvin Harrison Jr. even if the phone rings and somebody's willing to offer you two or three picks. So I'm a big believer Volume is great, and you can tell me all you want about depth, but if you look around the draft room, and Paul and I have had a lot of these conversations in previous drafts, if there is conviction in the room, okay, Mm -hmm. you're on the board at six. Everyone in the room says, take this guy at number six. We cannot pass up on him. You take the guy, period. The dialogue ends right right there. I don't care whether they are offering you... 17 acres of real estate to add to the swampland here at the Meadowlands, okay? (laughs) It doesn't matter. Or in Florida, wherever you want. You're picking that player at six, and that's my point. And that's the way it was with Barkley. When when they took Barkley at number two, everybody was all in on him. You take him. There's no argument. Right. And I got one more quick thing, if you guys don't mind. Sure. Yeah, real quick. Uh, Can somebody please get a dump truck, back it up to Spags' yard, and dump it in his yard? Well, right? for, for what, though? Full of money, I would love to have him back. I've oh, always been well, fascinated him. and Andy Reid go back Spags. so many years. You know, him and Andy oh, Reid are like, God. they're like brothers. Yeah. And, I know, you know, I would love to have him. Oh. I know, I get it. I get He's it. A, I call him the mad scientist because that guy is a genius. You and know what? I, I, think, I will promise you, you this. You think he's going to be wearing a yellow jacket? Someday, you think he's going to have that jacket? I'd on? love to see it. He's I don't. What, I, I, it's, it's it's interesting because well, he's going for his fourth. Well, I, I was going to. It's an interesting yeah. question because I was going to say, are uh, there assistants who don't have a lot of head coaching? Experience I've never known in the any Hall pure coordinators yeah. to get in. I mean, that would be uncharted right. territory, Randy. I think that's what's going to hurt him. He's an accomplished defensive coordinator, but you'd be hard pressed uh-huh. to find assistants on an island in the Hall of Fame. Most of them started as assistants, then became head coaches, and really achieved right. excellence. So he's very unique from that standpoint. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you go and on I that. Note. Yeah. See, I would love to see him get another shot at that. By the way, and you guys have a wonderful yeah, day. Yeah, you got it, Randy. Appreciate the phone call. I uh, I do text with Spags, and I promise you, Giants Nation, I will text him this week and tell him that the entire Big Blue universe <laughs> is pulling for him to get another Lombardi. But I was going to say, to the caller's point, if you're going to back up the truck, he probably wants head coach tied to that truck. I'm okay? sure he does. Something tells me he's not leaving he, to become a defensive coordinator no. elsewhere. And Andy Reid is wise enough to not let him leave to become a defensive coordinator elsewhere. You know what? I, I've never had this conversation with him, but if Andy Reid should at some point see the end of the tunnel in Kansas City in the next year or two. Do you think he's going to retire with Patrick Mahomes in his prime? Would you do that? No, no, I'm a, forget that. Would you? I'm giving you Patrick Mahomes in your prime. Are you jumping to uh, all of a sudden sip on a pina well, colada it, it de- near the pool? It depends yeah. if that Caribbean island has unlimited cheeseburgers available. I Listen, well, you're looking at it from Andy Reid's perspective. Yes. You're certainly not looking at it from your own perspective. No. No, but, I want you to answer it, though. I ask you, you know, there is no way you're leaving to oh, eat I'm cheeseburgers. I'm a football I'm lifer. I'll, I'll do and, this forever. Well, Andy seems like a lifer, too, does he not? I, I'm not sure. At some point, maybe maybe he won't be. And I would think if I'm Kansas City, I'd have to be thinking that if there's any time soon that Andy Reid may decide to step aside, I'd want to keep Spags in the house. Well, I'm looking up just out of curiosity. How old is he? Andy, that's what I was looking up. Andy, 65. Okay, Mahomes was drafted in 2017. 
you figure Mahomes stays healthy. I mean, he's going to get to in the 2030s minimum in terms of him playing at least, assuming he could hold up. So you're saying Andy's going to coach past his 70s. Well, the point is, I mean, look at Belichick and Carroll. You're going to tell me Andy can't get to about 73? He can't get eight more seasons? I I. I, I find it very I don't, hard to I don't believe know the Andy's going to retire. All right. I mean, assuming good health, knock on wood, and we yeah, don't wish I don't anything know. against him, I, I think Andy's going to try to ride this Patrick Mahomes wave as much as possible. Maybe he does. I'd be very surprised if Spags becomes available. Let's put it this way. Spags is leaving KC, and Spags, why would you leave? No, Spags is not leaving no, KC. No, he, as no, long as Andy's there, he's correct. not leaving. Well, no, he may leave if somebody calls giving him a head coaching position again. I could see Spags wanting another shot. Yes. But short yes. of that, he's hanging Right. Well, we've already established that. Another yeah. head coaching spot would be something he would absolutely love to have. Yeah. Um, but at this point, you know, him and Andy, they're, they're tied at the hip. 100%. Because they go back to those Philadelphia days. And remember, Andy Reid's staff produced a boatload of talent. It's amazing who came from those staffs. You know, when you consider that Belichick was a special teams coach here before they made him a D.C., Uh, Spags was a linebacker's coach with the Eagles before he became D.C. with the Giants. Uh, Perry Fuel had been a secondary coach before the Giants had made him a defensive coordinator, and he won a Super Bowl with this team. Um, I'm interested to see where this is going here. Well, my point yes. is, you know, sometimes it it's it, you can hire an assistant or a positional coach as your DC and still hit gold. Oh, you sure, know, the Giants yeah. don't necessarily, and this is going back to the the fellow who was asking us. You're talking about an internal promotion. Well. It, it, it doesn't even have to be an internal. The point is, the fellow was saying that there are people on the web in a panic now because the, the big names are drying up or they don't know who the Giants are going to get for defensive coordinator. Well, the Giants have proven over the years that you don't necessarily have to have a veteran defensive coordinator to come into this spot to win. They've hired guys as the D.C. who were primarily position coaches in the past and then wound up getting here and turning into, you know, really good DCs. So, you know, don't be scared off or don't don't have any trepidation over the fact that they've been talking to a lot of guys either in-house or out-of-house who are strictly position coaches or other defensive assistants. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to hire a, a, a veteran defensive coordinator who's done it for 20 years in this league to win. It's really what I'm trying to say. No, I'm completely with you. Well, I just, I want to bring the Ravens back into the equation because I think Baltimore spells out your point even more effectively than the Giants do. And I'm going to bring up a tweet that I threw out the other day when Mike McDonald was hired. So here's the defensive coordinators real quickly, Paul, under John Harbaugh. Harbaugh took over in 2008. Mm-hmm. Rex Ryan, he inherited from Brian Billick. Okay, then Ryan leaves to become the Jets head coach. Greg Madison promoted from linebacker coach. He was there for two seasons. Chuck Pagano was the secondary coach. He takes over for a season. Then he becomes a head coach. Dean Pease. Mm. He was the linebackers coach there. Okay. Okay. He took over from 2012 to 17. And Dean Pease went to New England, served under Belichick. Wink Martindale takes over for Dean Pease. Wink was the linebacker coach. This is exactly what you're talking about. These are not external individuals, but... All of those individuals were not defensive play callers. Right. And at they the time that they were hired, people probably questioned oh, sure. how yeah. good are they going to be they in weren't this household new names. spot. Yeah. 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 So exactly. what I'm saying is it can be done. No Your doubt. Your point is well taken. You don't necessarily have to go after the individual play caller. 
You've got to give somebody a chance eventually, right? Mm -hmm. Even individuals, eight head coaches were hired. Five are first-timers in this cycle. So we don't necessarily know how they're all going to pan out. I mean, that's life in the National Football League. But life in the National Football League also involves an overwhelming amount of speculation. So who better to segue then to than Wilson and Roxbury? <laughs> Wilson, what is the world of the media cooking hey, up hey, for us today? Hey, hey, yes. Hey, 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 what's that, guys? Hey, listen, Lance, I got the perfect name for my phone call today. I'm going to call it Wilson Fireworks because I'm going down swinging. Okay. I was hoping for alliteration, but you fell short in that department. Oh, man. Polly, Polly, can I ask you something? And yeah. You know I love you and I respect you. Though. What's up? Why you always, like, uh, always just, just throw away all these speculations and you say that nothing is, is, is not true? I mean... Why, why, I mean, speculation people, usually is not true. That's no, why it's speculation Paulie, and not fact. Paulie, Paulie, listen, you think some, some reporters that are well-known, they're not just, you know, they just wake up one morning and they just say, oh, I'm just going to write down that Brian Dable has, has caused a toxic environment. Because I just want to do Wilson, that. Wilson, that Wilson, no Wilson, not even a little bit. Wilson, but. I've been in this business over 40 years. I know, I, I know the ins and outs of this business. I know how it works. When you've uh, been in the media business for 40 years, then you can okay. tell me. I don't know what occupation okay. that you have, but I'm oh, sure I, that you know your I, business better than I do. No, no, I'm not telling you that you know. I'm, I'm not, that's what I said to you. I, that, no, Paulie, I will never disrespect you like that. What I'm saying is that that you you don't think that there's no merit at all. And, and I happen to, to think that if I read something from somebody, it's got to have some kind. It can't be all fake news. That's all I'm saying to you, Paulie. That's well, all I'm saying. There, there, I'm saying. there are times when stuff is purely fake. There are okay. other times when there is a matchstick of truth to it, but it's okay. made out to be a Chicago bonfire. Okay? okay? And that's just okay. the way it is. And unfortunately... Okay. Because, okay. see, I will tell you one thing, Wilson, and, and please ahead, understand this, because I'm not trying right. to be funny. Today's no. media, today's media more than ever relies on attention. It relies on clicks, and there's tremendous competition around the entire hemisphere, uh, uh, atmosphere, I should say. And when okay. I say atmosphere, I'm talking about the electronic, whether it's the TV, whether it's the radio, mm -hmm. whether it's the computer. There was tremendous, tremendous competition to stand out and to get your item the most eyeballs and the most listening or ears shot, if you will. All right. Can I ask you something? So please understand, whatever, whatever crumb may be true, it is going to be blown up because okay. that's how it gets the most attention. That's just right. the nature of the business today. It's important to know Wilson okay. actually finds time to read and listen to everything no, that is put out no, there, which no. is quite amazing. Hey, Lance, no, I mean I that, got a lot of time. I got well, a lot of time in my hands. But, but can I ask you? Well, at least you admitted it, so we don't have to confirm it. But yes. And, and Wilson, no, no, let no, me no, let no, me no, just no, throw no, one no, other no, thing at you. Serious no, NFL no, Radio, which Lance does work for, full disclosure. Okay, yeah. full disclosure, he does work for them. Well, because I was trying to yeah. keep it hidden, but thank you. Okay, <laughs> but but the point is, when you listen to Sirius NFL Radio. And you listen uh -huh. to those folks, Pat Kerwin, Jim Miller, Charlie Weiss, 
Okay, these guys are our cream of the crop guys. Solomon Wilcox and some of the other folks. Bill who Polian are, is on Bill the Polian. Do you hear these people? Do you hear them presenting some of the crap you're reading as 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 fact? Do you hear them talking about it? They got a hell of a lot, right? Paulie, it was just, it was just something that I saw. But the, I just want to get off something. This, I just want to ask you guys something, and I get to my yeah. Because you said you were going to go down I, swinging. I'm dying to right. take no, a look no, at this if, swinging. All right, yeah. go ahead. Can I, ask you, can I ask you guys something? Yeah. Uh, yes. Like I said, a lot of report, a lot of reports say that Mike Casca isn't happy. If Mike Casca leaves for another coordinator's job or whatever, will that will that raise a red flag, or it's it's part of well, it is what it is. Well, I mean, once again, it depends on the circumstance. I mean, you're asking a hypothetical. I will say this, and I, and I think, yeah. Well, well, but I, I will say this. I think, with respect to the time frame, I think the clock is ticking. It would be very out of character. This is just my personal opinion, and Paul, I'm curious to hear your perspective. We're at the Super Bowl. By the time the Super Bowl wraps up, most staffs are going to be finalized. So when you throw out this, if he winds up leaving, I mean, wh- when is this going to happen? Is it going to no, happen no, in the no, middle no, of March, I, 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 April? Because no, no. it's highly no. unlikely, based on where we are no. in the calendar, that I think no, something no. like that Wilson, will come to fruition. Wilson, listen up. Uh, listen up just one moment here. You can't assume okay. anything. And this is the problem. No, the media the media wants you to assume whatever cockamamie story that they throw out there to be true. I'll give you a great no, example. Patrick just, Graham. All right, but Patrick Graham was the defensive coordinator with the Dolphins. Yep. Okay? He would he was happy there. They loved him there. But he had a chance to come up to work for the Giants. In his past, he had been here before. He had also had roots at Wagner College on Staten Island, and he said to the to the to, to the Dolphins, "Is it okay? I'd like to come up and work for the Giants." So he came up here because he had roots here and he liked it here and he wanted to be here. It wasn't that he wasn't happy with the Dolphins and it wasn't that Miami was unhappy with him. But see, you would have this wonderful scenario of assumptions and of the webosphere tell you that there was a problem. But there wasn't a problem. I'm not assuming anything, Paulie. I'm saying is, uh, Paulie, listen. Unfortunately, like I told John a couple of weeks ago, I'm not in the building, so I gotta rely for what I hear and what I read. And then I ask, uh, then I just I bring the question to you guys. That's all because uh, you know, uh, Paulie, I, I'm well, not in the building. I don't work. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, sure. Listen, I, have to, I, I, think, I have to. I have to bring. I have to tell you what I read, whether no. it's true or not true. Uh, all I said. All I said was that I I find it hard to believe. For somebody just to wake up one morning and just write stuff out of the blue. That, that to me, I find hard to believe. But let's forget about that real quick. I want to ask you guys something on Kevin Thibodeau. Kevin Thibodeau talks like he's Reggie White. And to me, he's, he's the most overrated player on the Giants. He hasn't earned the right to talk about other, other teammates' contracts. Okay? So I, I don't know what's going on. This guy had 11 sacks, right? Out of those 11, 11 and sacks, a half, yeah. Three against the Jets, I think two against the Commanders. The other six, the quarterbacks run into him. He makes no oh. impact whatsoever oh boy. on the game. Come on, I mean. I will say. I mean, I mean well, well, Wilson, I, I think well, there you're, you're reading a little too much into things, and I appreciate the phone call. I mean, everybody is entitled to an opinion. So I'm never going to blame. If a player is interviewed by somebody and they're asked a question, they give an opinion, you can't all of a sudden say, well, you got to be Reggie White to be able to give an opinion. I don't think we can operate in that world. 
I think everybody's entitled to an opinion. And then it's you, the consumer, that is there to judge whether or not you want to digest that opinion and put stock and substance behind it. But that doesn't mean that a player doesn't have the right. That meaning a player can only weigh in, Paul, or a coach based on their resume. I mean, that to me is a very small-minded perspective. So, I mean, I don't read much into that. And it goes back to what Paul said. There's so many outlets that everyone beyond Reggie White and beyond Hall of Famers will eventually have a platform to speak their mind because between the internet, radio, and television, it's diluted. There is so much that you could consume and turn to to speak your mind. So I would not get all worked up and criticize a player because, you know, they decided to weigh in on a variety of topics. That, I think, is beyond the realm here. As far as the speculation, listen, there are times where perception meets reality, and there are also times where I believe perception does not add up to reality. But all of those operate on different situations. I don't think there's one rule of thumb. All we're saying is is that everything can't be read into that if a coach leaves or decides to move on, that it's a confirmation of bad blood or issues. And 100%. you brought up hundred percent. You brought up the Dolphins example. I'll bring up another example, which just happened. Vic Fangio also left Miami. Yes. Okay. He yes, took he the Philadelphia job, and he's, he's closer to home. A Pennsylvania native. So there were reports that indicated that Fangio wanted to be closer to his family. He also had worked for the Eagles organization as mm-hmm. a consultant mm-hmm. the previous year. So. He speaks to the coaching staff. He wants to move on. Mike McDaniel gives him the blessing. He's able to leave. Now, at the same time, in fairness, there were also some reports that Fangio didn't necessarily get along with all of his defensive players. So people are going to run with that as opposed to taking into consideration that he wanted to get closer to home. You know what? Both things could actually have some warrant behind Absolutely. It, right? I mean, you could say that he didn't necessarily see eye to eye with all of his players, but at the same time, there was no bad blood between he and McDaniel. He wanted to get closer to home. McDaniel gave him the blessing and he moved on. So that's why I'm saying every situation really needs to operate on an island as opposed to being grouped together. The point is don't work backwards and fit the narrative into the facts. Yeah. Let the facts speak for themselves. Don't go backwards. And that's, unfortunately, the best way to get clicks is to, and and get attention and draw attention to yourself, is to have a narrative and then fit the facts into the narrative. And now all of a sudden you've got something that's explosive and that's all over the crawl, all over TV and all over the web and all over Twitter. So again, to go back to Wilson's point, sometimes the stuff is just pure smoke. Sometimes there's a little bit of substance to it. And every once in a while... Maybe it actually is the real thing, but you can bet nine yeah, times out of generalize. You can bet saying. that nine times out of ten, if there's a way to blow it up into a bigger story, right now in this media environment, that's what they will do, because that's the way you generate attention, and that's that's how the media is trying to survive these days. Well, I think what's dangerous now is just to bring this back full circle is the fact that. Every move is tried to now or attempted to fit into the a specific narrative right. or storyline. It goes ba- it's and, backwards. Yeah, meaning when Denard Wilson takes the Tennessee job, oh, that means that something's bad here when it may have nothing to do with it. And exactly. once again, as I pointed out earlier in the show, he has a connection to Rand Carthen, the general manager, and he probably... I think if you connect the dots, was waiting to see if Mike McDonald leaves, Baltimore may promote me. And... 
Would you stay with an organization where you've been with for a few years for the sake of continuity? Doesn't that make sense, Paul? Then maybe jump ship and go externally. I mean, and it could simply be that as opposed to anything related to the Giants. And the other thing with respect to people moving, as I mentioned, I think by the time we get past the Super Bowl, so within the next week and a half, Paul, I would expect most coaching staffs to be finalized. Mm -hmm. So you're probably not going to see much movement after that by the time we get into, what, February 12th through the 15th in that ballpark. Beyond that, you know, you're not going to see movement because staff's got to start free agency preparation before, you know, we're going to be at the beginning of March. You know, they can't all of a sudden be deciding on who's going to fill out their staff. I think it's March 5th, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, soon we're also going to have the franchise tag period, too, Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. even free agency begins. So. This is why things move so quickly in the NFL. So when you want to speculate about a coach leaving or whatever it may be, look at the calendar right now. Here we are. It's February 1st. You know, this is the time of the year where staffs are being finalized. The jigsaw puzzle is not all of a sudden being shred apart and then put back together. I, I will I will add one other thing which always comes into play when you're talking about coaches, especially coaches who have families. I won't name a name because it's not important. But, but I know of one coach who had family, kids, wife, kids. Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was a very difficult thing for them to do to live here in the New York market. And after being here for a short time, they realized that this was not a part of the country that they wanted to live in. They were used to another region in the country sure. where they had friends and they had family. And they decided that, you know what, this environment just wasn't for them. As a family. And so the coach wound up moving on because this was just not the environment that they felt comfortable raising their family in. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. And that doesn't mean there was anything wrong with the coach or there was anything wrong with the organization. It just meant that the family had a comfort zone in another area of the country and they chose to go back there. There's nothing wrong with that. But you, you know, you, you won't. That doesn't make for a great story. Well, it doesn't it's make for not a, a sexy headline. It doesn't make for yeah. a headline. It doesn't yeah. make for a crawl on the TV, and it doesn't make for a great Twitter, uh, you know, capture or uh, or Twitter hits. That that doesn't do it. So you're not going to hear that. You're going to hear some made up reason why the guy left because they need to get explosive headlines. All right. With that being said, that is going to wrap up. Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live will be up and running again on Friday, same time, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, as we'll also provide the latest from the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Friday right here on BBKL. Have a good one.